Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. On today's episode, it is my esteemed pleasure to welcome Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. On today's show, the Lieutenant Colonel and I discuss the number one craziest conspiracy theory in America today. We discuss what one thing you can do tonight that can reduce your stress, improve your performance, and lead to a better quality of life. We also discuss the importance of being a quiet professional. All that and much more on this week's episode of the 10-8 Podcast. And it's coming to you right after these words from our sponsors. If you want to be a premier cop, then you need to learn from the premier police training company in the land. Of course, I'm talking about street cop training. They've got dozens of instructors out in the field right now, sharing their expertise in narcotics, interdiction, report writing, first aid, mental health, case law, and just quality police work. And those aren't even all the topics. There's literally something for everybody. I've attended several classes myself, and I can tell you that these folks cannot miss. Dennis Benino, the owner, is doing massive things for the world of law enforcement at a time when everyone else seems to be running away from it. Street cop training is literally the best in the business. Check out their private Instagram and join their law enforcement-only Facebook group to get free trainings, and then check out upcoming in-person and on-demand trainings at streetcop.com. You will not be disappointed. Did you know that in the years 2017 to 2018, the American obesity rate was over 42%? Did you further know that police officers are 25% more likely than the average American to die from obesity-related illnesses? These are diseases like diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and high blood pressure. So what do we do? Do we continue to stay victims to shift work and terrible nutrition options while going call to call? Or do we do something about it? Well, I decided to do something about it, and that's why I started working with Nick Wall Nutrition. Nick is one of less than 100 professional nutritionists in the entire United Kingdom and has worked with many professional athletes from soccer, rugby, cricket, and even Team Great Britain. And all of his plans are backed by pure scientific evidence. Eating the foods you love and losing weight doing it. No fad diets, no pills, no powders, and no god-awful detox teas. Nick is the real deal and was named Nutrition Specialist of the Year for the year 2019 to 2020. Check him out on Instagram at NickWallNutrition or NickWallNutrition.com and join Nick's team and change your life. The views and opinions expressed on the 108 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. They do not necessarily reflect an official policy or position. The 108 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department. This week on the 108 podcast, the bulletproof sheepdog with Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. You just tell those bastards that we're still 108 up here. I want to make it clear that that really applies to you. Stay in 108, continue to contribute. In 2020, the annual homicide increase was 30%. Well, this is the George Floyd effect. The most widespread, destructive, crazy conspiracy theory is defund the police. It's killing us. If we really gave a damn about suicide mental wellness, if we gave one hoot in hell about traffic deaths and opiate overdoses, this is where we should begin.
afternoon and good evening and welcome to the 108 podcast. I'm your host 108 and today is episode 223 and our guest is such a treat. It's Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, the man that literally wrote the book on killing. And that's not even hyperbole. He literally wrote a book called On Killing and that very book made him a New York Times bestseller. And that's not the end of his resume, guys. He is a U.S. Army Ranger, a paratrooper, and a former West Point psychology professor. Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman's research has been cited by the President of the United States of America. He has also testified before the U.S. Senate, the U.S. Congress, and numerous state legislatures. And he's even served as an expert witness and consultant in state and federal courts. If you don't get it, guys, the man knows what he's talking about. Since his retirement from the U.S. Army in 1998, he has been on the road almost 300 days a year for over 19 years, and he's become one of the nation's leading trainers for the military, law enforcement, mental health providers, and school safety organizations. And today, he sits down with yours truly, and we discuss everything. But, I don't want to take up too much of your time because I know you guys are excited to hear the Lieutenant Colonel, but for everyone who is checking us out for the first time, I want to introduce myself. I go by the name 108. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel got to call me by my government name because he is just that special. And who am I? I am a former law enforcement officer, six and a half years in eastern Florida, and I am now a newly minted dispatcher in southwest Florida. I started this podcast about two years ago, and I started the page 108 underscore memes on Instagram about two and a half years ago, almost three years ago. Over the show's run, I've been fortunate enough to interview some of the finest figures in law enforcement, some of the best trainers, leaders, thinkers, some like Sheriff Grady Judd, Dennis Benino, and some entertainers like Officer Smith, Deputy Hookham, and many, many more. It's been a great pleasure. I feel like I learn something every week. So I implore you, please go check out some previous episodes and see what I'm talking about. But today, folks, today is a very special treat. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to stop flapping my gums and we are just going to sit back and enjoy the wisdom of Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my great honor to welcome to the show Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. Sir, how are you? Hey, Charles. I'm glad to be on board. You know, and uh, I, I want to start by by talking about the 108. Okay. And most of your listeners know it means on duty, in service, ready for calls. Uh, I, I served on the prosecution team in the Oklahoma City bombing case. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the uh, 1995, another a millennia ago, <laughs> uh, a, a bombing at the Oklahoma City uh, uh, 
uh, federal building, 168 dead. And I was uh, kind of, I never went to the stand. They usually, they, the, the defense came to me and said, we need you to help us and, and show how the military turned this guy into a killer. <laughs> I said, it doesn't work that way. You know, go away, leave me alone. Right, right. And the feds came to me and said, we got word they tried to get you and we want you online. If they go in that direction, we got you. And they, they said, look, we got Grossman standing by. Don't even try. You know, he wrote the book on killing. He literally wrote literally, the book literally. on killing. Yeah. And, uh, and so they never went there. And, and uh, you know, the, the, the defense uh, said, I don't, I, don't, I don't like to say the name of these killers. Uh, we, we don't give them any more, any more fame than we can. But the defense said, you know, if, if you don't help us, this guy might die. <laughs> oh darn so terrible 160 people i pulled the switch i'll, I'll be a little bastard for you you know yeah so uh but while i was there i was talking to one of the responders and you, the, the whole side of the building was basically blown out people all the way up and down the building commos completely out electricity and phone lines out and their responders are there on their radios and there was a, a, a federal agent up on like the eighth floor, uh, been, uh, been battered up bad, and and uh, you know half the floor is missing, and 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 he said uh, he he gets on the police radio, and and he knows this guy, and he said uh, I want you to know I'm up here, and they said well, we're coming to get you, and he said you just tell those bastards that we'll still ten eight up here. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, man, that presented to tell those bastards we're still 10 8 up here, you know? Yeah, and yeah. I thought that was just one of the coolest things. And, uh, you know, the 10 codes actually shift a little bit from municipality to, you know, they're sure. not universal, but you, you get the message. Yeah, absolutely. Every once in a while, you know, and, and from talking to different people all over the country, I learned that their 10 codes are a little different, but there's a few universal ones, obviously 10 4, 10 8s, typically. Uh, the same but sometimes it's not so i get some people that go why does that mean and whatever it means yeah. um but yeah. universally i want to make it clear that that really applies to you you know you're a police officer you had some trouble but you're still serving as a dispatcher mm -hmm. you know whenever i sign a book for a dispatcher i do my presentations that come up you know who are you what do you do you know and uh and and whenever i sign a book for dispatcher i just put a halo over the name you know the mm -hmm. little little oval over the name mm -hmm. i tell them you are the cop's guardian angel they're never truly alone you're the angel on the shoulder you know they're never truly alone yeah and, and i honor what you do Thank and you very uh, much. little halo is my representation <laughs> honor new charles for staying 10 8 continue to contribute uh, both uh in dispatch uh and you know with the podcast here so so what Thank a blessing you. what a vital topic is you know the wellness issues that you're pursuing Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. It's um, it's stuff that is becoming more and more uh, to the forefront, obviously, first responder mental health and resilience and things like that. But for the longest time, and it's still to this point, not it's it's not to the forefront enough. Too many people don't talk about it. They shy away from it. They fight their demons alone. And if at the very minimum, I can tell somebody that they are not alone and they've got at least one dorky voice on the other side of, of their podcast platform. Uh, that's a good start. And I've had so many people reach out to me and um, you know, my goal is to make it more uh, apparent that, Hey, you're not alone and we can, we can, we can fight this together. And we, we always talk about, you know, camaraderie, the brotherhood, the thin blue line, everything. And that extends obviously to the, to the front lines when we are, you know, whether we're, 
dealing with a riot, we're dealing with an active shooter, whatever it might be. But it also goes back to the station. And when you're at the squad house and you're just relaxing, it, it, it doesn't go away. And that's really what I'm trying to perpetuate. Amen, amen. Well, you know, um, one of the things I think we need to put right up front is just how desperately bad the situation has gotten. Mm-hmm. We're trying to track crime across the years with a homicide rate. Ag assault is too easy to fudge the data. You know, where do you draw mm-hmm. that magic line between ag assault and simple assault? Most sure. cops will tell you, we'll make the aggravated assault rate say whatever you want it to say. Mm-hmm. But murder is murder. Dead is dead. It's kind of hard to hide those numbers, although you can and people do. Sure, sure. Uh, uh, and so we track the murder rate year after year. The problem is that medical technology is holding down the murder rate year mm-hmm. after year. Sure. You know, uh, uh, tourniquets alone have probably cut the murder rate in half in just the last decade. Yeah. Cop slaps on a tourniquet, saves a crime victim's life. They prevented a murder. Mm-hmm. And so we got one good solid data point. Uh, in the early, early 2000s, UMass Harvard released a study in a major peer-reviewed journal It said between the 1960s and the 1990s, medical technology had cut the murder rate to a third or a quarter would otherwise be. Mm. That means means if you were gonna take the murder rate in the 90s compared to the 60s, you had to multiply by a factor of about three or four. And, 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 and comparing them is like comparing minimum wage. Well, obviously, <laughs> since the 1990s, the leaps and bounds of medical technology are astounding. 20 sure. years of war, tourniquets are just the tip of the iceberg. And, and, and so it's like saying, you know, the, the murder rate was up last year, but it's still a lot better than it was in the 1960s. Right. Well, that, that's like saying, look, you make $20 an hour. Your grandpa made 25 cents an hour. Look how good you have. <laughs> well, we all see the lie in that. A little thing called inflation. We all yeah, understand. Yeah. But when they compare murders over any period of time without allowing for the medical technology, they're lying. And we get it in one sentence. Boom, we get it. They're lying to us. They're intentionally, systematically misrepresenting the situation absolutely it's so easy to kind of inflate numbers or hide numbers or whatever it's crazy smoke and mirrors with 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 that said now in 2020 the annual homicide increase was 30 percent the largest annual increase we have ever seen was one year in the 1960s it's up 12 percent so 2020 was almost three times worse than anything we've ever seen no Compared to the 60s, multiplied by a factor of, you know, seven. The 2020 was 20 times worse than anything we have ever seen. And 2021 is even worse. Compound interest stacked on top of it. And you and the magnificent men and women who listen, all the responders and all their spouses are manning the ramparts of our civilization, one of our darkest and most desperate times. And, and, and we know what's going on. It's not about the pandemic. It's not happening in other nations like this. It's the George Floyd riots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the Ferguson effect, the FBI guys in, in 2016, 2017, homicides exploded. They call it the Ferguson effect. Well, this is the George Floyd effect. There's no doubt about it. Absolutely. And this twisted, sick narrative, the most, the most widespread, bizarre, destructive, crazy, conspiracy theory in the world today is defund the police. Absolutely. What what kind of kook, what kind of a nutball believes that the cops are the bad guys 
and the criminals are the good guys. Mm -hmm. What kind of twisted, sick mentality are we dealing with? It is a conspiracy theory, and it needs to be confronted. Every politician, every reporter, every dirtbag who embraces this conspiracy theory, oh, the cops are the bad guys and the crooks are just misunderstood, that they need to look at the news and see what's happening. Right. This conspiracy theory has done great, great harm to our cities and to our nation. So things are bad. Things are coming unglued all around us. And that thin line of heroes are manning the ramparts. So from, for your perspective of wellness and mental health, I tell you, the single greatest area we need to look at is sleep. Sleep deprivation is a key factor in suicides. I presented to a Department of Defense-wide conference some of the data that shows a sleep-deprived soldier can be up to five times more likely to take their life. Do an online search of sleep deprivation suicide, boom, it'll come right up. One of the best meta-studies of suicide says not only is sleep deprivation a major factor in suicide, it's the most remediable factor. It's something we can do something about, right? Stinking damn cow. <laughs> sure. I give somebody a good night's sleep. So there, you can do an online search for a global epidemic of sleep deprivation. We are in the middle of a worldwide epidemic of sleep deprivation. Sure. Binge watching TV shows, social media all night long, playing that addictive video game all night long. It's killing us. It's eating us alive. It's destroying us. And two major causes of death have exploded worldwide. One is suicides. Every country, every age group, every children, suicide rates have tripled per capita in the, just the last, you know, in the last 10 years. But also traffic deaths. Mm -hmm. Sleep deprivation and alcohol are the two major factors in traffic deaths. Decade after decade, we brought traffic deaths down, airbags, seatbelts, medical technology. For the last decade, around the world, everywhere, traffic deaths are back up. What is the new factor? A global epidemic of sleep deprivation. Mm -hmm. Finally, the opiate epidemic. Fentanyl opiates. Why are opiates the drug of choice? Prescription opiates have always been there. Why are they suddenly the drug of choice. Well, sleep deprivation creates chronic pain. The tendons and muscles never a chance to fully relax. Doc, I heard all the time, give me a pill to fix. You don't need a pill, you need more sleep. And you've got to knock off the damn caffeine shortly after lunch that's stopping you from getting deep cycle sleep. Do an online search for worldwide epidemic of caffeine abuse. Sure. The mega doses of caffeine in those in those energy drinks, the, the mega doses of caffeine with quadruple shot lattes and a 64 ounce big gold Mountain Dew. Mm -hmm. We are in the middle of a global epidemic of sleep deprivation and caffeine abuse, both of which are critical factors in chronic pain. So the three major killers worldwide that have exploded suicide, traffic deaths and opiate overdoses. And there's one new factor, but they're not going to tell you. Facebook is never going to say, you've been online for 24 hours. It's time to get a nap. Mm -hmm. The video game will never say, you've been playing this video game for 36 hours now. It's time for you to go get a nap. They're never going to tell you that, 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 that you, you've been binge watching shows for the last three nights. You need to go get some sleep. The head of Netflix, 
said their number one competitor was not other online providers. Their number one competitor was sleep. The corporate policy of Netflix is to steal your sleep. Mm-hmm. They don't care that sleep deprivation greatly increases cardiovascular disease. They don't care that sleep deprivation is a major factor in obesity. They don't care that sleep deprivation is killing your immune system. Every bug that comes down the road kicks your tail. They don't care. They don't care that they're killing people. They don't care that they're eating our society alive. They just want to make money. Mm-hmm. So my dad started smoking in 1940 when he was five years old. He plunked a nickel on the counter, five years old, bought his first pack of Bull Durham tobacco and rolling papers. He couldn't buy pre, pre-made that, rolling papers and fixed his first cigarette. And he was five. Hey, candy rots your teeth. Cigarettes are good for you. Mm-hmm. Hey, that. Candy rots your teeth, right? It's his money. He wants to buy cigarettes. Good for him. And that was the policy back then. The cigarette industry knew they were doing harm. They didn't care. The whole battle with the tobacco industry is over one thing. Only one thing changed. Stop selling this stuff to children and admit that you're doing harm. Mm-hmm. And so we've got industries every bit as sick as the tobacco industry. The, the, the social media, the, the incredibly addictive video games, binge watching shows, Netflix, whose corporate policy is to steal your sleep. And they're not gonna tell you. No. Nope. Meanwhile, our cops are out there doing doubles and triples and working overtime. And they're destroying themselves and they're destroying their civilization. So maybe the most important thing to remember about sleep is sleep deprivation creates impaired judgment. 18 hours without sleep and your impaired judgment equal to 0.08 legally drunk blood alcohol. 24 hours without sleep and your impaired judgment equal to 0.10 above legally drunk blood alcohol rate. Two nights without sleep and you are psychotic. Any graduate of Army Ranger School will tell about hallucinations on the third day without sleep. And we're in the middle of an epidemic. There's people who work as a zombie all day long. They play video games all night long. They're a zombie at work. They play video games all night long. Now they're on the third day without sleep. And I will tell you from personal experience, you will see things and hear things that are not there Mm -hmm. on your third day without sleep. And so this 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 entire industry is lying. They, they don't want us to know that, that binge watching Netflix is killing you. Like tobacco was killing my dad. Six, you know, 55 years later, those cigarettes finally killed him. Mm-hmm. They don't want to admit that those video games, the video game industry is vastly, profoundly wealthy. There is no problem with any adult playing any video game as long as it doesn't get in the way of your sleep. Now, the old timers out there, everybody remembers Tetris. We all remember Tetris. <laughs> remember Tetris on steroids with crack because each generation of video games is more addictive, more immersive, more powerful. Right now, hundreds of millions of people are online playing video games and every single one of them is being tracked. If we do this, 5% say, oh, time to quit the game. So they never do that. We do this and absolutely nobody quits the game. So they do more of that. Sure. Now, one video game, Grand Theft Auto V, one video game, the year it came out, made more money than the entire global music industry. <laughs> one video game made more money than every rock concert on the planet, every musician, every CD, every download on the planet. This is a vastly wealthy industry. And their goal is to create a game 
that is impossible to turn off. Even when there's an endpoint, you got to jump right back in and do it again. Mm-hmm. The flicker rate, the color plan, the plot, it's all designed. All of these industries are predatory industries. Sure. And not only are they destroying adults, but they're destroying kids. And I give an example. I tell people, you know, parenting 101 for the 21st century. When you send your kid to bed at night, take their cell phone away from them. No laptop in the room, no cell phone in the room. They go to the room and sleep. Teenagers, 10, 11, 12-year-old, teenage girls' suicide rate in the last decade has tripled per capita. It's mind-blowing, the danger of suicide to our children. Mm-hmm. So a cop came up to me you know, during a break in one of my presentations, you know, book table doing my thing. And he said, I had a good girl. He said she was an A student. She said, Dad, it's embarrassing. You don't have to take my cell phone every night. You can trust me. He said, so I trust her. I let her keep her cell phone. A little while later, she took her life. He said, my little girl took her life. And we never knew the hell she was living in until we looked at the text messages on her cell phone. Mm-hmm. Night after night of ceaseless, relentless, vicious bullying. And you can't just ignore this stuff. We're not wired that way. He said it was heartbreaking to see her up all night long, night after night, trying to defend herself, trying to find somebody to stand up for her. He said, I understood my little girl was bullied to death. What I didn't understand until now, she was sleep deprived, tormented and bullied to death in front of my eyes, and I let it happen. He said, I can't ignore that text message in the middle of the night. How can we expect our kids to? Mm -hmm. He said, the one thing on earth I could have done was take my little girl's cell phone every night, let her turn off all the bad stuff in this world and get a good night's sleep. But who's being your mommy? Mm -hmm. Who's going to make you get that sleep? Who's going to make you put that that structure in your day that we get up at the end of the day. And, you know, uh, everybody needs to have a couple of dogs because they'll get you up in the morning. <laughs> yeah, sure and, they will. And, 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 they'll, and, and we, got, we got a dog. We got an old lab says, all right, it's bedtime. You wretched children. It's time to go to bed. And mm-hmm. the dog you know, everybody needs to have a couple of dogs. And, and you know, a wise old dog that can say, it's bedtime, guys. Come on. But, but this, this business of no structure in our life, the pandemic has created the sleep deprivation and this, this incredibly uh, uh, toxic industry that is doing so much harm and won't admit it. And fighting tooth and nail, I, I, my book, Assassination Generation, I was invited to the White House as part of the President's Roundtable on violent video games. I gave him a copy, very gracious and impressive guy, President Trump. I invited the White House again to brief Vice President Pence. I gave him a copy of the book, Assassination Generation. And we talk about how the video game industry fought all the way to the Supreme Court to sell any game to any kid at any age. You cannot stop us. You cannot regulate us in any way, shape, or form. So just just understand that if we really gave a damn about traffic deaths, if we gave a damn about suicides, if we gave a damn about performance and, and emotional and mental wellness, the very first place we should be looking is sleep. So we got the George Floyd case, and uh, and we got the, the officer there trying to do the right thing. And never in the entire case was it even asked if he'd been sleep deprived the night before. Nobody wanted to go there. Nobody wanted to even talk about it. And then we had the Kim Potter case. And once again, the entire case, never once did anybody say, were you working overtime the previous night? Were you 
Were you, were you doing a detail? What, what were you doing? Did you get enough sleep? Never once. The entire chain of command needs to be held accountable. If, if Shaman was, uh, was sleep deprived, the chain of command should share the guilt. If Kim Potter was sleep deprived, the chain of command should share the guilt of putting a sleep deprived officer out there to make a life and death decision. Sure. And, and we're doing so much harm with this business. Airline pilots and truck drivers are required by law to get enough sleep, but cops aren't. That, that yeah. should enrage us. That should enrage us. Citizens who are concerned about cops, people say, oh, the cops are evil. The cops are bad. I say, okay, there's one thing we can agree on. Cops do have a problem, and the problem is sleep deprivation. And that's something that should enrage us, and that's something we should do something about. They don't care about that. No, they'll, ne- they'll never say that. No, they're, they're, they're victims, and victims only want one thing, vengeance. Anybody who embraces the victim model is insane with vengeance. They want vengeance. They want to hurt the cops. They want to hurt our nation. They want to hurt our way of life. Whenever you turn somebody into victims, then you've created an individual who wants vengeance and does great harm. And, and this whole dynamic of, of, of sleep deprivation is one place where you and your listeners can take action starting tonight. The single most important thing you can do is sleep hygiene. Not just getting enough sleep, but getting quality sleep. Well, let me give you sleep hygiene 101, fast and dirty, sure. because it's truly a life-saving set of skills. Number one, anything less than 30 minutes is a waste of time. A 10-minute nap, right? We're driving down the road, your head is bobbing. Take the little micro naps. We've all been there, right? The little micro nap, your head is bobbing. Pull over, take a 10-minute nap. It's like a startle response. But as far as sleep deprivation goes, it's a waste of time. Take a 30-minute nap. The alarm goes off. You're bleary and you're groggy. You don't want to get up. You know why? Because <laughs> you're asleep. It takes 30 minutes fall deep cycle. I don't want to get back. We're going to sleep. So naps are a friend, but at least 30 minutes. Don't let naps replace a good night's sleep. In my life, across, I'm 65 and I've learned the lesson. If I take more than a 30-minute nap during the day, it gets in the way of my sleep at night. Mm-hmm. So naps can't replace a good night's sleep, but naps are our friend. The, the snooze alarm is not our friend. The snooze alarm is always set for 10 minutes. And that's just enough time to get that shuttle response. We've all been there. The snooze alarm is an evil little button that makes you relive the worst part of every day over and over again. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you get a 10-minute snooze, another snooze, a third snooze. You know what you just did? You just threw away 30 minutes of your life. Those three snoozes, no value as far as sleep goes, no value as far as your life goes. You threw away 30 minutes of every day to trick your body and go without sleep. I will teach you a trick that'll put 30 minutes of quality sleep back in every day. That adds up to, to three and a half hours sleep back in every week, two pure, beautiful nights sleep back in every month, 24 nights sleep back in every year. Very simple. Set your cell phone a half hour earlier and get the hell out of bed. <laughs> if it's that stinking hard to get out of bed, what's your body trying to tell you? Need more sleep? Tell your body. Look, I got to get up. I got to get up. But I promise I'll get to bed early tonight. So I'm deadly serious. Set your cell phone for 10 alarms. 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 601, 601, 601. By the time you turn them all off, you're up. And the you that goes to bed at night has got to make you get up in the morning. Get the hell out of bed. And you know, everybody in the military, I had a guy ask me, uh, 
he was doing on an aero medevac team and they do 24 hour shifts, which is insane, but it, and they sleep during their shift. And he said, why are the military guys always able to roll right out of bed and get in gear and, and the others aren't? I said, because our drill sergeant taught us a critical life lesson on the very first day of basic training. You can get the hell out of bed when you need to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Holy cow. Mom should have taught you that lesson. Mom should have put a glass of ice water on your head and made you get the hell out of bed. We ain't got mothers that do that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? But 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 we've got to exercise discipline. And really, it's about self-discipline. Are you in charge of your body? Was your body in charge of you? Is the first act of every day to surrender to your body and hit the snooze alarm. Is the first act of every day to get the hell out of bed. And I'm serious. Set your cell phone for 10 alarms. And never touch that, that snooze alarm. And, 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 and really, it, 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 do some online search for the snooze alarm. You're actually doing physical harm to your body with the snooze alarm. It's like you're trying to force your body to get into deep cycle sleep in 10 minutes and it can't do it. So torture. Waterboarding torture is for amateurs or if you're, if you're in a hurry. The worst form of torture on the planet is sleep deprivation waking them up every 10 minutes it, at the end of the third day of being woken up every 10 minutes you are a destroyed shattered human being the, the snooze alarm is an instrument of torture take charge of your life take charge of your body right now and, and again self-discipline give a kid a marshmallow eat this marshmallow right now i'll be back in three minutes for another one you don't need it you have them both that is the single greatest predictor of success in life self-discipline and you can you cannot change your iq not much but you can change your self-discipline starting tonight when you say i am gonna get the hell out of bed i'm in charge of my body can you suck a, a slug and drive on can you take damage and drive on or do you immediately cave when something goes wrong with your body it starts with that cell phone the dark is your friend something you could do tonight make that room as dark as humanly possible I'm a huge science geek. My favorite website, sciencedaily.com. Check it every day, every category. Major study in the sleep lab. Totally dark room. Bathroom light is on and the door is shut. The light coming under the crack of the bathroom door is enough light to stop your body from producing the melatonin your body needs. Now, melatonin is a neurotransmitter that makes us sleep. It's produced in the dark. If you're never in the dark, your body doesn't produce melatonin. Hmm. So throughout history, for untold thousands of years, every night it got dark. There were no electric lights. There were no firewood was rare and precious commodities. It was dark. We're designed to sleep in the dark. Now, I, I do a lot of work with the fire guys and firefighters, and they all sleep in the bunk room. Uh, and they always have somebody they call the dark Nazi. The dark Nazi guy that will spray paint the windows from the inside and, and pack aluminum foil in every crack. I tell them, guys, the dark Nazi is right. Make that room as dark as you can and combine it with the sleep mask. Go online and look at Amazon's number one sleep mask. My little grandson went off to college two years ago. He's heard my class. He's helped me with my class many times. My graduation gift was a, a couple different kinds of sleep masks. Which <laughs> one works for you? I, and, I, and he's in college. I say, are you using sleep mask? Yes, sir. Are you getting enough sleep? Yes, sir. The number one concern for him in college should be his sleep. Traffic deaths, suicides, uh, bad judgment, errors in judgment, it's all there. 
and, and and there's one one sleep mask on Amazon that has fifty seven thousand reviews. <laughs> fifty seven thousand reviews for a stinking sleep mask, four and a half stars, and it's 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 perfect. It's really really good. That the cold is our friend. The dark and cold is mm-hmm. where we should sleep. People say, "Oh, that sleep mask makes me sweaty." Well, then turn on the ceiling fan. Turn down the temperature. We're designed to sleep in the cold, cold, dark room mm-hmm. is where you sleep. Pack the covers around you. Total darkness with that sleep mask on. You will rock your world. Alcohol is not our friend. Nothing wrong with a nightcap. One drink on the way to bed. Anything more than that, and it's truly counterproductive. We all need help with sleep sometimes, but please don't use alcohol to put yourself to sleep. No more than one drink on the way to bed. Now, I'm a huge fan of the Fitbit, the fitness tracker. Mm-hmm. They did online research on which fitness trackers are doing the best job of tracking sleep. And the Fitbit came out on top, head and shoulders. And, and you wear that, that fitness tracker. It'll track your calories. It will track your heart rate throughout the day, which is in our, oh, I know what I was doing at 10 o'clock last night. It's <laughs> all about. It will, it will track your steps and it will track your sleep. And as adults, you need at least seven hours of sleep a night, minimum. Well, as we get older, we need less sleep. Old guys only sleep four hours. No, old guys have got problems. And because of it, they sleep four hours. If you want to be a healthy old guy, you do what you need to do to sleep at least seven hours. The body's designed for that. And that Fitbit will track it. It'll say, you've gotten by on four hours of sleep for the last month. You can't keep doing this. So. Wear that fitness tracker, pound down four beers and go to bed and do your own experiment. You will fall quickly into a shallow sleep. You'll wake up a couple hours later and can't get back to sleep. We all need help and the docs can help, but but the best help is melatonin and it's created in the dark. But folks, uh, if you do need help, the little baby dose of melatonin, check with your doc and but just a little three milligrams of melatonin is a place to start before you put yourself to bed with alcohol to give a try for melatonin. As the body gets older and older, we produce less and less melatonin. Uh, I think there's research out there that hasn't been proven, but with, with worms and mice and flies, uh, it, it's been demonstrated that melatonin increases your life expectancy by by 10%. My wife says, oh, good. <laughs> the worms your body will live 10% longer. You know? <laughs> but, uh, so alcohol is not our friend. But finally, caffeine is our friend. Caffeine is one of the most effective, useful drugs to temporarily limit your vulnerability of minimal side effects if you're not abusing the drug on a daily basis. If you're putting mega doses of caffeine on your body, you're doing great harm to your body. Now, the research on caffeine is clear. The half-life of caffeine in your body is about five hours. That means the caffeine you took at 5 p.m. is still a half strength when you go to bed at 10 p.m. And and people say, well, caffeine doesn't bother my sleep. Then why are you Mm -hmm. taking it? Mm -hmm. But caffeine doesn't make us not sleep. Caffeine makes it easier to stay awake and harder to have quality sleep. Caffeine steals quality sleep. The tendons and muscles never get that deep cycle of sleep. It creates chronic pain. But caffeine has got to be used effectively. Cut off all caffeine shortly after lunch, and it will rock your world. So the, the, the source of caffeine is important. Uh, coffee and tea appear to be pretty good for us. I think coffee and tea drinkers are doing so well just because the other stuff is so bad. 
-hmm. Sodas, diet sodas are chemical poison, sugary poison. Energy drinks are condensed poison. Uh, the U.S. Armed Forces have been at war for 21 years. We're still in Iraq. We're still fighting the bad guys around the globe. In 21 years of war, for the first 15 years, the U.S. Armed Forces passed out energy drinks like water. The manufacturers gave us, we gave them the tubes. Aren't we nice guys? And then six years ago, two major Department of Defense-wide studies on the energy drinks came out. Today, for all practical purposes, there is a complete ban on issuing energy drinks, U.S. Armed Forces. They're like alcohol. You're an adult, you wanna buy your own, not gonna stop you, but we will never buy it for you. In an academic environment, the one taking the most energy drinks were the ones with the worst grades. In a tactical environment, the one taking the most energy drinks were the ones most likely not off on the job. All there is in that energy drink is a mega dose of caffeine and sugar, and some stuff that will make you metabolize it quickly. It will give you a one hour burst of physical ability. Before a PT test, before an athletic event, one energy drink's not a bad idea, but then you crash. The second one feels good for 10 minutes, you crash. The third one feels good for five minutes. All you're doing with the second, third, fourth, and fifth energy drink is building up your body's tolerance to caffeine. Mm -hmm. We've all seen crackheads and meth heads we had the main line of the drug to stay normal. That's just happening to people with caffeine. And what I tell people is take the test, cut off all caffeine. And if you start getting withdrawal symptoms, that's what's happening, those are withdrawal symptoms. Headaches, shakes, digestive problems, then immediately put some caffeine back in your body. We've got people going cold turkey on caffeine, going into seizures. I mean, calling the, 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 the ambulance, can't talk, can't communicate, seizures when they go cold turkey on caffeine. I was on a podcast with a cop who works primarily with addictions. He, was a, he, had, a, he had an opiate addiction, he overcame it, but he said it was even harder to overcome his caffeine addiction. Mm -hmm. He said, when I, when I came down off opiates, I crapped myself, I was in pain for days, it was, it was pure hell, but it was over. Coming down off caffeine was much harder, over the long haul for me. And, 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 and when you need caffeine, it's not there for you. You know, you're driving your family home from vacation. It's two o'clock in the morning. Will a cup of coffee keep you awake? Or you've been putting mega doses of caffeine in your body and, and it won't do the job you need mm -hmm. it to. So that's kind of quick and dirty, sleep hygiene 101. Uh, then the dominant issue on wellness and, and that we can all address right damn now and go back to suicides. Look at some of those suicides. Why did he do it? Why did he do it? Well, was he sleep deprived? Oh yeah, the new video game came out and he'd been playing all night long for the last week. Well, why did she do it? Why did she do it? Was she sleep deprived? Oh yeah, she was on social media all night long, night after night. Oh yeah, she binge watched the shows all night long for the last three nights. When you start looking at sleep as a contributing factor, that amazing inexplicable suicide, very often, this is the piece of the puzzle, and it truly gives people peace. Now I understand what was going on in his body. Mm -hmm. Now I understand why it happened, and I know how to make damn sure it doesn't happen to me. If we really gave a damn about suicide and mental wellness, if we gave one hoot in hell about traffic deaths and opiate overdoses, this is where we should begin. 
It's, I, I know it's fast and furious turn on the fire hose on a critical topic. So that all kind of makes sense, Charles. Oh, yeah. I know it definitely does. I had a guest on a few weeks ago and uh, it was a late at night conversation and I had an energy drink and she's like, what are you doing? She's like, you're, you're over here and, and promoting health and that's great and everything, but here you are drinking caffeine. So she challenged me. She said, all right, for a week, don't drink caffeine afternoon. Wow. Okay. And I, and I was like, okay. So I did the, the very next day. Uh, I actually slept until about noon. And so I was like, all right, no, no caffeine today. I'm going to be so, and instantly the headaches started and everything, but I lasted that whole week. And she's like, and at the end of the week, she said, what happened? I said, I slept pretty damn good. Let me tell you. And it was, it was instant. I mean, within the first couple of days, I think first day, like I said, I had the headaches that wasn't good. But then after that, I had like a cup of coffee in the morning. That was it. That's all I needed. And even now I make sure that I'm done, you know, well before I'm done working and, and things like that. And it, it has, it, it's helped me sleep better. Um, on top of also having physical exertion, you know, going back to the gym and getting things with that. So my body was tired. And, and all I always say, I said for a while was I have no problem falling asleep. I've never had an issue with that, but staying asleep was always the problem. And like you said, I enjoy sleeping. I, I always say, I like sleeping in a cave, dark and cold. That's what I need. And, um, but I was still having trouble staying asleep. And the moment I cut down my caffeine intake, boom, no problem. And I was exactly the cop that you described working back-to-back details, back-to-back shifts. I was always sleep deprived. And there were times when I was working 24 hours straight. And I, I, I said to myself, as it was happening, I said, I really hope nothing bad happens right now because I know my reaction time's down and, and everything like that. And I know from people coming to me and talking to me that they too are doing the exact same thing that I did. And I've gotten to the point I was listening to, uh, to, uh, bulletproof mind. And that's when you started talking about your, about the sleep and everything. And I was like, guys, stop doing it. I was like, I get it. My dad was a crazy workaholic. Uh, he was one of these guys. He would work 16 hours a day, come home, get a little bit of sleep, go right back to it. Even when he retired, that's how he was. And he got sick. He had heart problems. He had, uh, many strokes, things like that. And he, uh, he knew that I was working back to back shifts and things like that. And he was sitting in a hospital bed and I was like, Hey dad, you know, I'm just stopping in real quick. I'm in between shifts and I'm going back out. He goes, why? He's like, what are you doing? He's like, if you don't cut it out and start enjoying your time off duty, you're going to be just like me. You're going to be in a hospital bed. He said, he said, money's nice. Uh, being able to afford things is nice, but don't burn the candle at both ends. And he sent me the poem and I wish I, I wish I realized earlier that what he said, you know, I, I wish I took more value into it, but now, now that I've seen kind of full spectrum, when I go, when I get off, when I clock out at the end of the shift, I'm done. I don't think about work. I'm not like, Ooh, let's go back and let's sign up for more overtime. And everything you said about sleep is absolutely correct. Amen. Amen. You know, and one other, and you know, we kind of shift gears a little bit here. Uh, when we talk about emotional wellness, there's a thing um, that they talk about of a, a internal locus of control. Uh, identify the things you can't control and let go of them. And in the end, the only thing in the universe you can control is how you choose to respond. Yes. That you can't change what's happening. You can only change how you choose to respond. You lose your temper. You didn't lose your temper. You gave it away. Mm-hmm. It was the one thing in the universe you could control and you let go of it. Now that's easy to say. But it's hard to do, you know, and, and folks are out there now facing facing hell. The cops are just the things they have to face on a daily basis. People get in their face. People are 
I, I just the, the lack of respect, the things that they got to deal with every day. So how, how, how do we get a positive impact on that? Well, let me give you an angle on this. Now, I, I retired from the Army in 1997. I've been on the road ever since. I believe I'm the only law enforcement trainer ever to be post-certified in all 50 states, every federal agency. I'm on the road over 200 days a year for, for 24 years. And just because I've done it so much and so long, by most people's measure, I am America's number one law enforcement trainer by, by, by many different measures. And as such, I have been the number one target for defund the police and Antifa and all these conspiracy theory wackos that cops are evil and here's the guy teaching them and he's making them evil, you know? So I get threat letters, I get emails so that are just gut-wrenching. You know, what they do to my family and what they're gonna do to my kids and, and these threats that are coming in, you know, with the FBI, we checked and followed up and how can we take action? But I can't control what these people are doing. Mm -hmm. They wanna hurt me. And if I let it hurt me, then they win. So I've got I got some candy that uh, that I only have you know every every now and then and 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 I save it up for a special occasions. So when I get one of those nasty grams, I get a piece of candy. <laughs> and and I talk about this and 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 they they write me and says you evil bastard. We tell you what an evil person you are and you get a chocolate covered cherry. That's right. <laughs> so who wins now? You know, it's, but they meant for evil. I can turn for something good. And so I've got a little suggestion. For you and all your listeners on this mental wellness, I really think Tootsie Rolls works good for this, but you might find something else that works for you. Tootsie Rolls, you know, uh, they remind me of Halloween candy. You know, they're individually wrapped. Uh, they, uh, they, you could use they, and the heat. You still eat them in the heat and the cold. They're still good. And when have a bag of Tootsie Rolls in your car, and uh, and when somebody gets in your face, you say, you know what? Because you're in my face, I could have a Tootsie Roll. <laughs> and it's just a little thing, but it allows us to with this positive, hey, somebody was in my face, I'm going to have a Tootsie Roll. Yeah. And, and it allows us to take what they meant to harm you and to turn it into something good. I could have a Tootsie Roll because of this. And, and, and just, just think about how we can, we can take what they meant for evil. The only thing in the universe you can control is yourself. You can't control what other people do. Your buddies, your friends, the boss, you can't control that. What's happening at the national level? Let it go. If you give weight to bitterness or cynicism or complacency or denial, that is the one thing you can control. And, and, and you let go of it. You, you gave the world a victory with your own hand. We will not give them that victory. So stay focused on that dynamic from emotional wellness and my most recent book is on spiritual combat. And we talk about an internal locus of control. I call it the eternal locus of control. Mm -hmm. And and faith is one of the pillars of resiliency. And those of you that are trying to put your life together and trying to fill in the gaps, just understand that uh, on spiritual combat's out there. People know, hey, I read Grossman's On Combat. I read his On Killing. Well, what's this on spiritual combat all about? And, and, you know, maybe that can, uh, can help give a, a foundation. Uh, resiliency around the world, every nation, every faith is one of the pillars of resiliency. See, what you, got, you take all these things you can't control and you turn it over to a higher power. Then just give it to somebody else. I can't control it, but there's somebody out there who can. 
and I give it to them. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and, and in the end, it's just focus on the things we can control to be a better person, to be a better parent, sleep, you know, picking up that overtime. These are not the kind of things, you know, that yeah, yeah, my dad was a great father. We had five kids, but he was like yours. He was gone most of the time. You know, he thought we needed money for all this stuff. We need all this stuff. You know, we need our dad. Mm-hmm. Between yeah, the cigarettes and that work ethic, you know, it killed him. You know, he, I, I'm older than my dad was when he died, you know. And I think now what it would be like if those if he was still around. Mm-hmm. You know, if he'd have lived to 80 instead of 60, what a different world it would be. How much we miss them. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking the other day as I was driving into work, you're never going to see someone at someone's funeral going, man, I'm so glad he picked up that extra shift. I'm yeah. so glad he, you know, worked all that extra overtime and having experienced a bunch of loss over the past year, no one cares about that. You remember the times you had with them. And yeah, like my dad said, money's nice and having things is nice, but being present with people is is even nicer. And to, to go with what you were saying about what you can control and what you can't control. I'm a very big reader into stoic philosophy. And one of the biggest oh. things in stoicism is focusing on what you can control. Uh, uh, one of my favorite authors, I have multiple books up here on my shelf is Ryan holiday. And he has a, a video that he says, you control how you play. Now he's talking about sports, obviously. And he talks about, you know, it's not what the referees do, your coach, whatever you control, how you play. And I've always taken that as a personal thing, like not, not being athletic, but I control how I play that day, whether it's work, whether it's with my family, I control what happens, whatever, Outside impact, it doesn't matter. So I really liked that you said exactly that. And uh, I, I really classic stoicism, and and it's completely compatible with with faith as well. Sure. The, the, the Roman stoicism was was not compatible, but it, it completely integrates with faith. There is no clash whatsoever. Uh, there's whole elements of Christian stoicism and books and and people following it. Not not even remotely controversial. Stoicism is is very powerful. But I talk about nurturing an environment of quiet professionals. The day we call it the quiet professionals, but the laconic Spartan, the stoic Roman, the inscrutable samurai, mm-hmm. the stiff upper lip Brit, and the day we call them the quiet professionals. Those are all different ways of saying the same thing, self-control. The thing we should honor above all else is self-control. Nobody respects our temper tantrum. They respect our calm. And if the bad stuff in life, if the piss ant day-to-day stuff make you lose your cool, when things are going to hell and people are dying, you don't have a prayer. So I, 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 I you know, I teach a state chiefs association, national sheriff's association. I tell them, look, you're the boss. I need to understand something. I thought as an army colonel, my job was to scream and shout and get in people's face. And I realized, that's completely wrong. Nobody respects our temper tantrum. They respect our calm. We've all had bosses that screamed at you and you despise them. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. Again, that, 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 that in 20 years of war, this concept of the quiet professional, and it really is just a form of stoicism. The laconic Spartan, the stoic Roman, the inscrutable samurai, the stiff upper lip Brit, the quiet professional. And that, that's what you're talking about with stoicism. And I, I'd encourage all your listeners to do some more exploration on the stoicism, Christian stoicism. If you're faith-based, look at other angles on it. 
Uh, it is it is just a, a powerful personal philosophy that sustained the Roman Empire mm-hmm. and and uh, and continues to sustain uh, warriors and 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 protectors uh, across two thousand years. And, uh, and and I'm so glad you mentioned that. I don't think we've ever brought Stoicism out when I've done a podcast before. Could, yeah, yeah. Could, yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you. It's always been. It was brought to my attention. I had a jujitsu instructor. And I was going through a rough time and he gave me, he told me to follow this book. And he said, it was uh, one of Ryan Holiday's first books. And I looked in, it, I, it just hit to me just right. Uh, the book was The Obstacle is the Way, which basically tells you that when things go wrong, you're on the right path, basically. And, you know, what falls on the fire is fuel for the fire, which at the time I was kind of in this woe is me kind of mentality. Where I was like, oh, all this stuff is going wrong, and it's like, no, use it as motivation. And ever since then, I've I've never um, I've never looked away. I have a, a necklace I wear daily, it says uh, "Memento Mori," remember death. Uh, just different ways for me to keep track on things when things kind of go hellish. When I was on duty, I would always wear the necklace and I would touch it when we were going into something crazy, because um, you never know. But the way I like to see it is, if you live every day like you could die at any moment then you're playing with the house money at that point. Cause you're. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Playing with the house money. What a great way to put it. Yeah. Exactly. Cause, Cause the Stoics say, you know, every day is its own lifetime. So if you yes. think you're going to die when you go to sleep, well, then you wake up, you're, you're in extra innings. Everything's great. And that's kind of, it's how I try to at least maintain my mind on a day to day. You know, and, and part of the whole dynamic is stay focused in the present. Mm-hmm. If you let go of the past, it'll lead your life. Just let go of the past. Turn it over to higher power. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry too much about the future. Not much you can do about it right now. The only thing you can control is yourself right now. And I give my audiences, I give them a challenge. I said, on the phone, in front of all your friends, tell your spouse, I love you. They'll be suspicious the first couple of times. But if you knew it was the last thing you'd ever say, right? That's what you'd want to say. Well, many, so many times, cops' final words over the radio, tell my wife I love her. Cop murdered in Toledo two years ago. The last words over the radio, tell my family I love her. Well, tell them now. Tell them now. Mm-hmm. Live intensely in the moment. This might be the last chance you ever have to say I love you. So on the phone in front of all your friends, you do that. And that's about living intensely in the present. Recognize that it might be the last chance I ever have to say that. Right. Living in the moment, making the most of every second, every moment. Don't be embarrassed that your friends hear you telling your spouse, I love you. They should be embarrassed that they're not doing it. Right. And you're setting a positive model in so many ways. Uh, and it comes back again to that stoicism and living intensely in the present. It may be the only one you're going to have, you know? Yeah. Uh, another another stoic mantra that I live by is amor fati as in loving fate when things happen to you loving it not just accepting it but loving it and that's a hard one it's definitely a hard one because when bad things are happening it's hard to go all right i'm so happy that this is happening to me but it's so important because bad things are going to happen you know you're gonna you know i think about you know the loss that i suffered over the summer but and it's hard to look at that in a positive light but as long as you are present and you stay in the moment and you keep moving forward, then there's a, uh, there's a post that someone sent me not too long ago by Jocko Willink, who basically he said the word good, you know, whenever something bad happens, he says good. And he said, as long as you're saying the word good, 
then you're still breathing and that's good. And that's that's just the way that, you know, I try to, I'm, I'm very quick to go negative and I'm working on this whole optimism thing. And that is my, my way of staying optimistic. And I, I, I encourage everybody to also do that the same way. Wow. Yeah. I never heard that about Joko Willink before. Take a little note here. (laughs) Now, you know, I'm from, we're writing volume two right now to on spiritual combat. And kind of the Christian focus on that is praise God. You know, mm-hmm. same thing. You know, just it's, it should be the first words out of your mouth, bad things and good things. But the same reason Jocko Wilnick is talking about, as long as you say that, then it is good because you're still here and you can still say that. But when you die, it's even better. You know, the, the Bible says to live is Christ and to die is gain. So to live is good and to die is even better. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's that angle on it that, that really ties in. It is good as long as we can keep saying that. I love that. Yeah, uh, it, it was good sorry? people giving us great wisdom out there. We I call this the warrior renaissance. We're in the middle of a renaissance. We've learned more about the psychology and physiology of combat in the last 50 years than the previous 5,000 years put together. My book on combat, uh, you know, auditory exclusion, the shots get muted in combat. How in the hell could we have had 500 years of gunpowder combat? And not let people know what every hunter knows. The shots kept muted. Hunters will tell you, but they don't think, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't hear the shot. My ears don't ring. Well, isn't that something worth mentioning? Oh, you know, I, I never really thought about it. <laughs> yeah. This warrior renaissance. Did you ever wonder what it felt like in the renaissance? You know, early on, they didn't have a name for it. Just things were happening. You know, what, what did it feel like to be, you know, Michelangelo or Da Vinci? This is what it feels like. This is what it feels like. Sure. They draw from Jocko Wilnick and turn around and, and, and understand things that we've never known before and to strive for greater wellness and for greater performance in stunningly violent times. I mean, astoundingly crazy, violent, bad times. Again, 2020 was not three times worse than anything we've ever seen. It was 20 times worse increase in homicides, violent crime. And I tell people, if you carry a gun off duty, you're 20 times more likely to need it now. If you fear for the well-being of your loved ones, you're 20 times more in need to do that now. You know, the, the whole business of keeping your loved ones safe, why do you carry a gun up duty? Because I would live the rest of my life in hell. If I'm with my loved ones and I didn't have the life-saving tools of my profession on my body, I would live the rest of life in hell. If my children were murdered, if my loved ones were murdered, I didn't have my gun on my body. I'd rather walk out that door naked and alone than to be with my loved ones without the tools to protect them. Now that's that whole stoicism. That's that whole living in the moment, the quiet professional. Carry the saving tools of your profession on your body because you know the need is there and you know you would have trouble living with yourself if you didn't have it. Absolutely. And that whatever whatever reason there might have been to justify carrying that gun off duty is now 20 times greater uh, than, than it was before. And, and, and that should stun us into it, out of complacency and, and into readiness. Right. Uh, to, to rise to the challenge, these dark and desperate times. Kind of wrap up with a quote for you. You might like this. It was uh, it was in 1776, in the winter of 1776, uh, the Continental Army, uh, uh, it was Valley Forge. We all know about bloody footprints in the snow and Valley Forge, you know, and, and uh, it was a dark and desperate time. A lot of the Continental Army had just gone home. They, you know, these volunteer army. And, uh, and Thomas Paine wrote these words. These are the times that try men's souls. Stop. 
Your soul's on trial. You're being judged by posterity. You're being judged by eternity. These are the times of try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will shrink from their responsibility in this hour. Do, do, we, do we stand up to our challenge? Do we, are we 10-8? Are, are we doing the best we can? Are we staying in the fight? Are we staying in the game? Uh, you know, first responders, dispatch, uh, they're all in the game. They're they're in that game. And your podcast, you know, are, are we today or are we summer soldiers and sunshine patriots? When it gets bad, do we quit? Why do I do what I do? Because I love my family. I love my nation. I love my God. And every day that somebody wants what I got to give, I'm going to walk at that door and do it. But he went on to say, we have this consolation. Are you ready for this? Here's the payoff. Mm-hmm. The more difficult the battle, the more glorious the victory. And, and, and your grandchildren will talk about you like we talk about Wyatt Earp with Dukas. For you have manned the ramparts of a civilization. You have stood in the gap and been counted. You have moved to the sound of the guns in one of the most violent times in, in our history. And, and we have this consolation. And, uh, you know, Henry V is one of my favorite, favorite uh, plays. And, and there's a piece in there, you know, and we few, we happy few, we band of brothers, for he that sheds his blood with me upon this day shall be my brother, be he ne'er so wild this day shall gentle his condition. And gentlemen at home now abed shall count themselves accursed and hold their manhoods cheap, whilst any speak that fought with us upon this day. That is a bond among the men and women who go in battle in this dark hour. But he also, there's a point in there where he said, I don't, I don't covet money. I don't, I don't covet possessions. I'll give away what I have. I'll do what I can. But I covet glory. I covet honor. And if it be sin to cover honor, then I am the most, I am the most sinful man. And, 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 and this, this, this business. We give the honor and glory to God, and he gives us joy. But the glory of being in the midst of this desperate battle is enormous. Mm-hmm. So these are the times of tribe men's soul, but the payoff is huge. And, uh, and, and, and it's an honor to be on board with, uh, with, 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 with you, Charles, and the magnificent people who are following you. The, the podcast revolution has broken down the barriers. We, we no longer have a a couple of radio stations and, and three TV networks. We now have, have access to anything. And you are, your listeners are seeking deeper knowledge and you are providing deeper knowledge. And I, I honor everyone for being a part of that process. And it, it's an honor to be on board with you today. And, uh, I, I guess if anybody wants more info, look at my books on Amazon. Just look up Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman and look at the books, you know, on combat, on killing, on spiritual combat. They're all there. And the, and the nice thing about the books is it's a, a way to make a deeper impact. You know, I do a class, I walk away, we read my book, you read a couple of books, it's, it amplifies the contribution greatly. And the one thing I encourage your listeners to think about and, and the track on there. Perfect. They, Lieutenant Colonel, this is absolutely amazing. I, I am at a loss for words. I really appreciate you taking time this afternoon and, and kind of teaching myself and my listeners so much. I really appreciate it. It's a two-way street, brother. Uh, Iron sharpens iron. God bless you. Be safe. Thank you very much. Everybody listening, stay tuned. I'll be right back. Paladin, paladin, where do you roam? Paladin, paladin, far, far from home. 
travel reads the card of a man A knight without armor in a savage land His fast gun for hire heats the calling wind A soldier of fortune is the man called One of my direct subordinates, one of my guys that worked for me, he would he would call me up or pull me aside with some major problem, some issue that was going on, and he'd say, boss, we got this and that and the other thing. And I'd look at him and I'd say, good. And finally one day he was telling me about some issue that he was having, some problem, and he said, I already know what you're going to say. And I said, well, what am I going to say? He said, you're going to say good. He said, that's what you always say. When something is wrong and going bad, you always just look at me and say, good. And I said, well, yeah. When things are going bad, there's going to be some good that's going to come from it. Didn't get the new high-speed gear we wanted? Good. Didn't get promoted? Good. More time to get better. Oh, mission got canceled? Good, we can focus on another one. Didn't get funded. Didn't get the job you wanted. Got injured. Sprained my ankle. Got tapped out. Good. Got beat. Good. You learned. Unexpected problems. Good. We have the opportunity to figure out a solution. That's it. When things are going bad, don't get all bummed out. Don't get startled. Don't get frustrated. If you can say the word good, guess what? It means you're still alive. It means you're still breathing. And if you're still breathing, well, now you still got some fight left in you. So get up, dust off, Reload, recalibrate, re-engage, and go out on the attack. It is so easy for us to get discouraged and discredit all the progress and all the good things that are going on by something negative. You look at something that you love, something that you really dedicate a lot of time and effort into. For the sake of argument, we're going to be talking about policing. And then you couple it with all the terrible things going on in the world. And so you start deciding how do you want to do it. Now, some people, like myself, it's it. I hit the end of the road. Uh, I couldn't get that balance to to even the the scales anymore. I just couldn't. Couldn't do it. I tried. Who knows? Maybe one day it'll be that way again and maybe not. But some people look at it and they like that challenge. They like kind of digging their heels in and going a little further. They like doing what Jocko was saying and saying, good. I like that adversity. And here's the thing, guys. I mean, you may not have reached that for you. 
If I sat down and I told you guys my entire life story, you'd be like, wow, I can't believe this dude is still here, standing here, or currently sitting, and still trying, still trying to put things together, and, you know, and I'm not, you know, I've never saw combat, I've never really dealt with anything super traumatic or anything, but it's been trying for the 32 years that I've been on this earth, things have been trying, and I like to consider myself quite resilient and I continue to push forward. And while law enforcement is a calling, it maybe it wasn't my only calling. And that's kind of where I keep going. It's like the Lieutenant Colonel says, these are the times that try men's souls. You know, you don't want to only see the glory. You want to have the, the trials and the tribulations that go along with it. Because summer sun is only nice because you survived the winter. And I know me myself, I get so focused on the end goal. And it's, which is bad because, and I've talked about this before, there is no end goal. You know, the end goal is to just keep going. And while I have an infinite mindset, I also attribute that to an finite game and a finite set of rules and a finite result it's very weird and it's something that i personally have to work on but what lieutenant colonel talked about what jocko talked about and what all these different writers and speakers that i you know consider influences talk about is to enjoy the process and that's kind of what i want to send you guys home with tonight is to enjoy the process. Enjoy every time you get pushed down, every time you get kicked down, because one day, every day, you will continue to rise from those ashes. And that concludes today's episode, guys. Once again, thank you so much to Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman for sitting down, chatting with me, teaching me, teaching us, inspiring us, and for everything he has done for law enforcement and the military and so on. If you want his books, go on Amazon, go on his website, killology.org. Check it all out, get them all. And, you know, if he's speaking in your neck of the woods, check it out. Tell him the 108 podcast sent you. Absolutely amazing. Thank you again so much for him. Next week, folks, we have Kevin from Badass Cookery. He, we're going to do something totally different. We're going to be talking food and cooking and totally going off the beaten path. It's an amazing time. Great conversation. Anyone who's listened to me for a while and followed me on Instagram, you know I enjoy food. You know I love talking food. So this will be a nice change of pace. I think we'll have fun with it. I think you guys will get a kick out of it. Take care of each other. Stay safe. we got a great month of stuff coming out. Check us out, 10 8 underscore memes on instagram 10-8-memes.ecwid.com that's the merch store we've got a bunch of merch out right now we just did a brand new merch drop and we got more coming up very soon until that time guys take care of each other stay safe 10-8 out if i could
They say you don't 